Welcome to the Why We Surf podcast from way out west and wide open, wonderful Wyoming. And while the deer and the antelope play, we will ask the question and hopefully answer why we serve. Hugh, how are you doing today, sir? Doing well. It's been a it's been a good week. Cheyenne Frontier Days is in town. It's been a lot of fun and uh, also been having a lot of fun at work, working on a letter to follow up on Affordable Housing Awareness Week with some of our elected officials trying to keep the momentum in the affordable housing space moving forward as the summer continues. How are you doing, Dan? Doing well. Staying inside, avoiding crowds this week. I'm not doing anything for Frontier Days this year, so. But yeah, we had our first task force meeting a couple weeks ago for the Affordable Housing Task Force. Not a whole lot yet, but some good conversations on how to move forward and what maybe our solutions and recommendations to the mayor may be. So excited about being a part of that going forward. Yeah, it's been really cool to get to watch that from the sidelines. And I'm looking forward to hearing about some of the some of the findings. So today we have a special episode. And one of the principal tenets of AmeriCorps service is sustainability. And as a VISTA, you want to keep your You want your projects to grow legs and carry on after your service term ends. And with that in mind, as my service reaches its final month, we want to take this time to introduce two new VISTAs with the Equal Justice Wyoming cohort, who will take up the mantle and become the next hosts of Why We Serve. They are Kristen Glennie and Thomas Liu. Kristen is serving as the VISTA with the Aging Division of the Wyoming Department of Health, And Thomas is taking over Ken's role as the VISTA with Equal Justice Wyoming. So without further ado, Kristen and Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excited to do it. Yeah, thanks for being here, guys. We're really excited to welcome you on to to the podcast and also to the AmeriCorps VISTA EJW cohort. So congratulations and welcome. To start off, why don't we just uh, have you guys talk a little bit about yourselves, where you grew up, past experiences and education, and then anything else you'd feel like sharing with our listeners. And uh, Kristen, we'll start with you and then go to Thomas. Sure thing. I grew up in southwestern Maine, um, went to school for biology and public health at Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. I graduated from there in 2018 and then Went on to work in the field of biotech at an immuno-oncology research company. So I did that from June 2018 until February 2020. And then left there to hike the Appalachian Trail and got back from that. Spent the winter remodeling houses with my dad and figuring out what I wanted to do after that, after living in the woods. So here I am in Wyoming. (laughs) Nice. What was your favorite thing about hiking the Appalachian Trail? Um, I mean, I really like walking. So just waking up, walking every day. It's pretty great. (laughs) Nice. We have a Pat McElwain who's in our staff at Habitat. She's from South Carolina and she, she, when she lived in the South, she hiked a lot on the Appalachian Trail as well. So she loves it. So yeah, that section was beautiful. Thomas, how about you? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Hong Kong, actually. Both my parents are Americans, but they decided to work abroad. I went to UCLA for the past four years studying political science and English, and I intend to head out to law school next year. More or less throughout my time in Hong Kong, I did various kind of like work with charities, but I kind of took a break in uni. So I'm excited to 
start serving again. Uh, interesting fact is I've never actually lived in a city with less than 7 million people before. So uh, I'm loving Cheyenne so far. It's a great experience. A little bit different from Hong Kong or LA, huh? Just a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I don't know. Maybe the crowds of frontier days are, are giving you a little bit of feel of home. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. It's like a, it's like a Monday morning. But I, I don't know. It's great. Like cars actually stop for you here. You know, just try to run you over. Good. Good. <laughs> Well, during the month of May, we ran a series of episodes on the podcast called Vista Voices, where we interviewed each AmeriCorps Vista in the Equal Justice Wyoming cohort to learn about their projects and how they're serving their communities across Wyoming. Now, both of you are still starting out your service. Kristen, you began at the beginning of June, and Thomas, you started about a month later in July. But if you would, why don't you take a little bit of time to talk about your VISTA position. What are your responsibilities as a VISTA and what are the, some of the projects you're working on or excited about getting started working on? Yeah, I mean, my work is really open-ended. Uh, these past two weeks, of, uh, three weeks actually, have just been me kind of getting my bearings, trying to figure out what I do. Because what I do is I, I work for Equal Justice Wyoming and the Legal Aid Wyoming. Uh, more or less, I'm the access to justice VISTA. So my purpose here is to try to facilitate access to justice for everybody within the state of Wyoming to implement procedures and or just kind of provide the day-to-day -day help that people really need to get access to justice where they might not otherwise be able to. So now that I'm kind of set, a little more settled in, I, I kind of have my bearings on the projects I'm doing. So a project I'm really excited to help with is the white paper that I'm working with Donna Platon on. And um, we're kind of trying to improve legal procedures for the court especially in the realm of family law. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's very exciting. I'm sure you'll work with Lila at the Children's Law Center over in Laramie. You're probably going to do a lot of collaboration in that, in that space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with things that are as sensitive as, you know, children and divorce and so on and so forth. It's, it's really important that we have a process that's fast, but also really thorough. And so, Oftentimes, people think that there's a trade-off to be had between them, but there's a really interesting kind of initiative going on that seems to have a procedure that allows you to have the best of both worlds. So I'm excited to try to see if that can be implemented within Wyoming. Now, now Thomas, just, just to clarify for the listeners out there who may not be as familiar with Equal Justice Wyoming as myself and you are, you know, I, I think I know the director, but I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> just joking. So explain just a little bit um, when you say access to justice, that what, what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So within America, we are quite litigious. And unfortunately, that means that for a lot of, a lot of cases, they kind of fall through the cracks, right? Like you always hear the rumors, oh, your case will take months and months to be processed. And in the time, everything changes, lawyers will bleed you dry and so on and so forth. And so uh, entering the court, the process of going to the courts has always been seen as like something that's extremely difficult for everybody involved. So access to justice is really trying to alleviate the burden, especially for those who can't necessarily afford to undergo that lengthy, torturous process. Uh, we want to make it easier to find the forms that you want to find. We want to make it easier for you to understand the process inherently on what you're trying to do so that lawyers can't place you, that kind of thing. Very nice. And that, and that is on the civil side of things, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We don't deal with uh, criminal cases. Yeah, it's in, in talking to people, you know, about access to justice, 
you know, cause I volunteered quite a bit for EJW and the foundation and stuff. And, and it's always fascinated me when, when, when you say, you know, helping people get free access to, to legal services, they're like, Oh, well, you mean like public defender? It's like, no, actually, you know, it's the other side of things. And it's just, you can see their faces. Like they've never even talked about that. Never even really heard of it before. Right. They're like, I thought you always got a free attorney. It's like, well, that's on the criminal side, not on the civil. So it's those those kind of conversations are fun to kind of educate the public on. Are you looking forward to that side of things as well? Absolutely. Most of my previous court experience actually working in Hong Kong has been on the criminal side of things. So this is my first exposure to the civil side of things. And I'm finding I actually like it more than I expected to. It's not only working with blackmailers and murderers and the like, but, you know, actually working with regular, ordinary people. And I find I kind of like that. Kristen, how about you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your VISTA position? Yeah, sure. I'm with the aging division in the Department of Health. So I guess my primary role is to really explore and strengthen and expand any senior services that we have within the state. So one component of that has been really going to different seniors centers and just talking with seniors, talking with the directors, trying to assess where we could be doing and where we could improve upon um, from the state side. So yeah, a lot of that has also been a fair amount of research looking out into other states, seeing what systems they have in place and what we can do and how we can adapt them to Wyoming. So I guess I have a couple of projects that are circulating and they're pretty exciting to see it grow so far. It's only really been two months, so just starting to grow little baby legs, but um, one of them (laughs) is pretty, gaining traction right now is this Home Modifications Action Coalition. Habitat is actually the newest member of that, so looking forward to working with you all. We're trying to also explore the possibility of creating a more unified home health care network throughout Wyoming, and both of those projects are really geared towards enabling older adults to stay in their own homes for as long as possible, which is really important, and a lot of research has found that to be one of the greatest ways to one, reduce healthcare costs within a state, but also just improve the livelihood of people. So then, yeah, I guess along with that, I was able to work with Daniel and overlap for a month. And so he kind of showed me the rope, showed me what he had been doing. So I'm working on continuing his plan with Stay Connected and expanding that a little bit, maybe having a research component to that with WICOA, which is the Center on Aging at UW. Yeah, so along with those, there's a couple other small things, but these are the big ones. So I'm pretty excited to see how that's happened so far. Yeah, I'm just say thanks on behalf of Habitat for extending the invitation to us, the Home Modification Coalition. I'm excited to be a part of that and see how things progress with that as well. Yeah, I think that was a really good connection to make. So the podcast is called Why We Serve, and broadly speaking, That is what the show is all about, learning not only how people serve their community, but why they do it. And I want to take a moment to explore that question with both of you. So why did you decide to serve as a VISTA and what does service mean to you in a broader sense? Well, I kind of came to VISTA through increasingly specific like Google searches and Indeed searches. It wasn't something I had specifically been looking for. But then once I read the description and kind of learned more about it, it checked all the boxes. Um, It's really a great role. I wanted to work on promoting health literacy and equity just through various realms of research and outreach. And that's quite literally what this position is. It's 
hard to find that elsewhere. And then also just the core of AmeriCorps, like what it stands for is really important. Yeah, this was a bit of a, a career shift also. Um, so that's one aspect that's really useful. It's definitely not, you know, wet lab biochem anymore. It's, you know, reading papers and working with people and making connections. And so honestly, VISTA is a great opportunity to work on those skills um, and gain meaningful experience while making a strong impact in an area that needs it. And then I guess service broad sense is just kind of, to me, applying any old or new skills in any way that you can, whether it's, you know, something that you specifically want to get done or something that's really broad, like whatever way that you can make an impact. So like, you know, whether it's writing a paper or making presentation slides or designing logos, like I'm here to help. So whatever we can get out of it, let's do it. Excellent. And how are you, Thomas? Yeah, why I wanted to be Vista. Uh, I guess it really just suited me. As I was kind of looking through my options, should I apply there or should I apply here? I realized that, you know, I want to go to law school, I'll probably take a gap year. And so what do I do during that year? Well, the AmeriCorps program was a great option for me because it just perfectly filled that time slot. It also really suited what I wanted to do. I want to give back. And I also just want to be in education for a little bit, right? I've been in education my entire life up until this point, And I just kind of wanted to do something else. And so this is a great option for that. And really, it, it lets me, especially in my capacity working for EJW and LAW, it gives me the ability to uh, work in the field that I kind of had had a longstanding interest in for a long time, right? Because law is so critical to so many people, be it on the criminal or the civil side. And it's really easily corrupt, like kind of corrupted or can easily be harmful to people if there aren't kind of passionate people who work to make it better for others. Like my mom, you know, uh, her, most of her life, really, she worked as a regulator for lawyers. And so every day she'd come home with saying, don't be a lawyer. They, they do this. They do that. They're terrible people. They're terrible people. <laughs> and guess what I want to do? Um, because there are so many of these people around and I get to make it or I want to make the field just like a little bit better, I think. Yeah, that, that's a, you know, having been married to a lawyer now for, let's see, two, uh, 16 years. No, she'll kill me if I get this. Yeah, 16 years. Congratulations. <laughs> well, we've been married 19. She's been a lawyer for 16 of those. And, you know, like there is that perception of, of lawyers and it's, and it's highly negative, unfortunately. And, you know, it's like every profession. There's, there's good lawyers and there's bad lawyers, just like there's good financial planners and bad financial planners or, you know, name the profession, right? Good doctors and bad doctors. And it's, it's a public perception that I think needs to change, you know, uh, and especially on the civil side, because there's a lot of good attorneys, especially here in Wyoming that do a lot of good work and, and it just doesn't get noticed because of that perception. Yeah, absolutely. I think a big part of that perception is just, when people get experience that bad lawyer, it really affects them. It affects them all the way down to every aspect of their life, to things they really care about. And so I think that means, you know, we on the government side of things on kind of looking, looking after the people really need to be that much more careful. And in what you just said right there on the government side, taking care of people, that goes for Kristen, your, your role and, and, and what you guys do are doing in the aging division as well, because you know, when you look at the state's role in helping people either age in place or providing quality long-term care facilities or assisted living facilities of that matter, you know, it's the same type of thing. There's that perception out there that, 
you know, some of those facilities are uncaring or they just care about the money and don't really care about the people. But there are some really good aspects of that as well. Yeah, most definitely. That's one of the things I'm trying really hard to work on is change that perception. Definitely from the senior centers of like, look, we're here to help you. We're giving you these surveys to help you. Like, we're here to help. So. Certainly. And tying that last question back to the podcast, why are you interested in hosting the podcast and what are your goals for it? What are you personally looking forward to and what do you hope to achieve on a broader community level? I'm doing this podcast so I can meet people, you know, and so I can understand Wyoming better just because I have very little experience with the culture around here, with the people around here. And I want to do my best to kind of understand the people I'm trying to help so that I don't go in all ham-fisted all like. And so that's really why I'm doing the podcast, so I can do my job better. And also kind of, I, I was inspired by uh, Ken. He left me a sustainability binder, which is basically the things that VISTAs leave each other so that they aren't just going in blind and to, to pick up the projects that were left behind. But Ken really waxed lyrical about this podcast. He really enjoyed it. He really enjoyed the role it played in his time here. It seems he got a lot out of it. So I'm, I'm eager to try to help and to bring attention to the people who do good work, but don't really get the attention they deserve. That is, that is admirable. How are you, Kristen? Yeah, I'm pretty similar. I, I really like talking to people. I like, you know, passing people on the street and like, seeing them like, oh, that person's doing this and this person's doing that and connecting the dots throughout a, a community. So I'm just really excited to meet people and see what everyone's up to and share their work. I think it's going to be really enjoyable when people know what's going on in Wyoming. Certainly, yeah. This podcast has been a great way for me to, to meet people across the state that I would never have connected with uh, without it. And that is thanks in no small part to Ken because he was usually the one finding our guests and creating these connections. But I was along for the ride and got to meet all these people. And it has had a profound impact on the way I see people helping other people across the state of Wyoming. That I've just been exposed to so many people working to improve the state, working to make life better in the state. And it has been very inspiring. And I hope that has carried over for our listeners as well. Yeah. And speaking of the state, we'll change gears just a little bit and ask the next question for you guys is, what drew you to this area of the country specifically? And what do you like about Wyoming so far? I mean, Thomas, like you mentioned, you know, Hong Kong and LA are pretty similar to Wyoming, right? So same thing for uh, Southern Maine quite a bit different than Wyoming as well. So what, Thomas, what drew you specifically to Wyoming? Well, first thing, just it being an absolute change from what I was used to. You know, I, I moved from Hong Kong to LA. I, I like shaking up my life every once in a while. And this was definitely a way to do that. As kind of for more the, the more practical benefits of it, I really like the culture of the place. I, I like the kind of do-it-yourself, well, I guess cowboy culture of it all. Uh, that kind of appeals to me. And I also really like the, um, well, I just like the humidity. Uh, even though I've got dry skin, just it not being 90% humidity with mosquitoes everywhere, no matter where you go. I enjoyed that about California. I'm enjoying that about Wyoming. Yeah, no, I, I love the land here. The land is so beautiful. Absolutely. I would share your sentiment about the humidity. I'm, I cannot stand humidity. We went back 
back home to Texas and Oklahoma over 4th of July weekend to visit family. And they're Northwest Texas and, and Northwest Oklahoma are not humid places by any means. You know, it's not like South Texas or, you know, Houston or anything like that, but it was humid that weekend and it wasn't even that bad, but we were still like, Oh man, this sucks. Can't stand the humidity. So, and the mosquitoes, I got eaten alive. So I, I share your sentiment. I'm also really enjoying the dry heat aspect. So <laughs> definitely a win here. What other, what other things brought you to Wyoming, Chris? And what, what, what about specifically led you to want to serve in Wyoming? Um, I mean, honestly, I've always been a bit of a, a nature nerd. I really like going outside and spending a full day outside if I can, if not more. And I mean, the West was unconquered territory. I've <laughs> been up and down the East Coast, so might as well check it out. It was kind of funny coming out here. Everyone was like, aren't you going to miss the ocean? Like, that's home. And I was like, ah, I'll see a desert. That's vast. <laughs> like, same difference, right? <laughs> yeah, so far, I really do enjoy it. I like the culture a lot. I like that you really can just like stop and have a conversation with anyone. The amount of like random people I've talked to in Walmart or like wherever on the street. <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, yeah, I really, I really like that about Wyoming so far. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the fact that I know that everybody's, most people here are open for a conversation terrifies me on a deep cultural level. Cause you know, in Asia, you keep your head down, you keep your eyes down. You know, you keep to yourself and you talk to close friends and family. And so just the fact that strangers will kind of come up and chat with you, that scares me, man. That scares me. I got to get used to that. <laughs> You'll get used to it. Yeah. You meet some really interesting characters. So keep your head up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. Well, on our, on our very first episode of the podcast, we, we came up with the question, what is one thing that we would change about Cheyenne? And at the time, the scope of the show was limited to Cheyenne. And that discussion prompted our episode about food insecurity because Ken brought up the food desert in downtown Cheyenne. So we thought we'd kind of do a twist and cool to revisit that question by saying so far, and I guess this goes for you too, Hugh, what is one thing that you would change about Wyoming? Um, one thing I think I would change is I would love to see a little bit more public transit. I know in such a large state that is hard to accomplish but having even one bus connecting some major cities or something along those lines, I think would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I would echo that sentiment very much so. And, and it's funny. So one of the very first Vistas who, who served at EJW was from New York City. And uh, when, he, when he and his dad flew out to Denver to move him in, they were surprised that there wasn't a train that took him up to Cheyenne. They're like, where's the train? like well there isn't one <laughs> so yeah I, I i would i would love to see better public transportation not only in cheyenne but just in this part of the country you know there are talks right now of trying to get a commuter train from cheyenne basically all the way down to albuquerque and maybe even potentially over to laramie as well that's sorely needed i think it's about 25 30 years behind Honestly, it should have been thought about a long time ago, but hey, what do you, what can you do? But it'd be cool to see that come to fruition because I'd sure as heck would prefer to take a train down to Denver instead of fighting with traffic. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm actually experiencing that kind of viscerally because I learned, you know, to drive on the other side of the road. 
So I came, came here. I don't have a car. I need to relearn how to drive. And so I live at the mercy of others, you know. So that kind of also ties in with Ken's thing about this being a food desert. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely feel that. I think something that stood out to me, though, just even in my brief time in Cheyenne, and I know this is kind of shooting for the moon, but I, I'd like it if people were less reluctant to ask for help. I've, in my experience here, people are always really eager to offer help. They're very open to that, fully willing, but they're, they almost never want to ask for help, even when they desperately need, need for it. Uh, and this goes for my work. This goes for just kind of talking to regular people in the day to day. But uh, that's something I think. It's just a little less, a little less reluctance would go a long way, I think. That actually came up on our last podcast episode with Rebecca Mignard from Community Action of Laramie County having trouble getting their COVID services out to the public because of that stigma against asking for help. And she basically told us that people would go all the way to the bottom of their savings before asking for any sort of assistance. And that can be really damaging in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. Even in EJW, we often see people, a lot of the people we see are, are kind of at the, at the end of their rope, which is unfortunate because our help would really be the most helpful if you came to us as soon as you had the problem. You know, if you came to us for prevention rather than a cure. Hugh, what about you? What, what, with your time here in Wyoming, what would be one thing that you'd change? You know, I think we might be moving towards this, but there's still a very strong push against it. And that is diversifying our, our energy sector just because we have been rooted in coal and oil for almost the state's entire history, there is that such strong connection to those industries that people don't necessarily want to let go of. And Wyoming, I mean, I, I'm not an expert at this at all, but it seems like a prime place for solar, for wind. I mean, we get tons of sunny days and it seems those, uh, wind turbines on I-80 are, are constantly spinning. So, you know, I, I'd like to see that expanded and improved. And I know we've got the nuclear power facility coming into the state in, in coming years. And I'm really excited for that because I think it can be a great job creator and also a great energy supplier for the state and show people that we don't necessarily have to rely on these fossil fuels well i agree with you I, it you know wyoming it's been that way for so long and, and they they feel it's hard to change but the the fact is that it's just the way the industry is moving and to not move forward is doing the state a disservice in my opinion but it needs to be done the right way i mean i understand you can't just close everything down and shut it off completely you know there's got to be there has to be a transition plan. There's got to be, you know, it's got to be done the right way. And, but it seems like they don't even want to take the steps to start doing that, in my opinion. I think the interesting thing there is that uh, renewables and oil and gas is not antagonistic in any sense of the way, actually. Um, and this is just 
from like reading company reports and the like, but like ExxonMobil is a huge investor in renewables. Why? Because when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't turning, you need something you can turn the taps on and off. And so oil and gas, you know, if you invest in renewables, you maintain the longevity of oil and gas and you keep these industries going. So I think there really needs to be a kind of an education campaign so people understand that, no, this isn't, if you, if you put it down a solar panel, you put down a wind turbine, you aren't taking away your jobs. You're actually insuring them for the long run. That's a good point. Well, we, we were kind of the, towards the end, as all the questions we have for you guys, is there anything else either one of you would like to add about, you know, what you're excited about in the coming year? Or? Well, I'm still in the honeymoon period, man. I don't know about Kristen, but uh, I don't know. Cheyenne's all roses and prairie for me. I don't yeah, I'm there. I saw my first rodeo yesterday, so I'm like there you go. ready to go buy a pair of boots and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, um, guys, it's been great talking with you. I look forward to future podcasts and welcome to Wyoming and hope you really enjoy your time here and serving as a Vista. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you both for joining us and to our listeners out there in the community and across Wyoming. Be sure to make the magic happen.